The following episode of the Corin podcast contains spoilers for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You have been warned. Shalom from Jerusalem and welcome back to the Corin podcast. My name is Daniel Rose. I'm director of education at Corin Publishers. I'm not your usual host of the Coin Podcast, and there's a significant reason for that that I will share with you right now. This is our Purim edition. We're very excited to explore with you some of the characters that we'll be meeting in our synagogues on Purim and drawing inspiration and, and to our values from them. Of course, I'm talking about people such as Spider-Man, Captain America, Iron Man, and, the, and, and such like. We scoured our networks for who the experts in, in, in these people might be and what we can learn from them. And funnily enough, the world-class experts in the Marvel Cinematic Universe at least, if not other superheroes, are of course your regular hosts, Ari Grossman and Alex Drucker. So I'd like to welcome them as our guests today on the podcast. Thanks for having us, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have the microphone for a change. So, Aria, I was having a conversation with you just this week actually where you expressed to me, uh, sometimes you find it frustrating when Jewish educators use secular genres, literature, movies, songs, to find Torah ideas and messages and values, and, and you found, found that to be a little bit tenuous. And I pushed back on that, because for me as a Jewish educator, and I think I've been very inspired by someone such as Rabbi Sachs, I'll tell you a story um, to illustrate that in a moment, I think that this is a, a, a very fertile area for us as Jewish educators and as parents and as Jews to draw inspiration from. There's a wonderful Rabbi Sachs story. Um, I'm going to call out uh, his um, uh, senior advisor, Dan Sacker, who was flying on an on a airplane to North America with him, and they sat in separate seats, and at the end they got off the plane, and Rabbi Sachs was excited to ask Dan what movie he just watched, and Dan was a little bit embarrassed because he just spent the flight watching the Lego movie. And uh, but, he, but he said to Rabbi Sachs, actually, I watched the Lego movie, and Rabbi Sachs said, me too, wasn't it wonderful? Isn't everything awesome? And that was funny. And then they went straight to a speaking engagement in a school, and Rabbi Sachs opened this address to, I don't know, 500 kids in this American Jewish day school by saying, guys, have you seen the Lego movie? Isn't everything awesome? And he went on to spend 20 minutes talking about the messages we could draw from the Lego movie. So this, I think, for me, is very inspiring. And, and I think we're going to try our hand at doing that a little bit. But Aria, why don't you, uh, why don't you respond and tell us your uh, reticence? Well, I think that a, a good way to ruin a night out at the cinema and the movies is to, you know, you've finished your popcorn, you finish the film, you walk out, and then, like, let's have a discussion about what that means. Um, I think that I am sometimes more inclined to say a movie is a movie, it's fun, it's a bit of an escape from day to day, you enjoy it, um, and if I want to go home and have a chavruta about Musa or Midot, then I'll go and do that then. Um, having said that, I will accept that after we've had this, or since we first started this conversation on this topic, I then saw a couple of, I think it was definitely at least one film, not a superhero film, specifically but i saw one film and maybe something else that straight away i was like oh that film is this has the exact same message as uh as this piece by rabbi Sachs, i.e encanto is rabbi Sachs on parashakitis on the luchot i'll let everyone else do research on that and come in a conversation <laughs> exodus look it up it's the same thing um so i have i am starting to um i guess turn around in my view slightly 
Uh, but I'm looking forward to maybe bouncing a few ideas around today um, and maybe uh, being convinced a little more. Um, I don't know. I mean, Alex, is there a particular superhero you feel like has like a standout message or that you saw that film and you were like, oh, that's the cup, that's the message? No, I think that does happen organically somewhat. You'll be watching something and look, I'm not necessarily constantly thinking. I don't have all of Tara at my fingertips. Uh, just yet. Um, but in came the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You do have at your fingertips. <laughs> I just like to uh, uh, make make it clear to our to our listeners that I am a Talmud sitting in the dust of, 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 <laughs> of the feet of these gentlemen when it comes to uh, to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I'm learning every day, <laughs> and we're happy to be teaching you. But the yeah, I, I, I'm saying I I don't have you know I have Tara at my fingertips. But there are times where you know I w- would have just learned something or something's weighing on my mind, and I'm watching a movie or I'm watching. Uh, whatever series it is, reading a book, um, and something does jump out. I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, I when watching uh, Civil War, um, you know, I'm now thinking about the, the war between, you know, Israel and Yehuda. Like, this isn't, that's not necessarily what, what uh, where my mind's wondering. But having said that, you know, when reading through Pirkei Avot, and it comes to the Mishnah of Eza Hugibor, who is a hero, there are certain things like, well, you know, that. Who, who's courageous who's a hero bells do start ringing um you know who who is courageous one who who has conquered his his uh inclination or or how we're going to translate it it's raw you know does does the hulk fit that category uh we can discuss that um is there maybe another another superhero who is more um or, or sorry a, a better example of someone who is in control of their faculties to such an extent that it can be classed as as heroic. Famously, the Hulk said, you know, what's his secret is that he's always angry. Um, but then this is probably where we wander into the, the realm of spoilers, although if you haven't seen Endgame yet uh, or Infinity War yet. There are people that haven't seen Endgame yet? I don't, I don't know. Are there? We'll put, uh, there there'll be a, there's, if you haven't heard already, there's already a spoiler warning at the beginning. So if, if you don't want spoilers uh, for films... Go away, watch the MCU, and then come back and, and listen to this. Um, but you know, at, by Endgame, the Hulk has found that balance where he's able to live in both worlds as Bruce Banner and, uh, and as the Hulk. the Hulk. Well, it's interesting that you, you start there because... Robert Sachs has, uh, has spoke. We're not only going to talk about Robert Sachs, but um, he, he spoke. He, he he wrote a lot about the battle between good and evil that that, that are found in these kind of movies in Star Wars. He referenced often um, in his book, Not in God's Name. He he critiques that way of looking at the world that is there's, there's dark, darkness and light, the children of darkness, children of light. Um, but obviously, it's a very inherently Jewish idea to say, well, you know what? Every human being struggles between darkness and light, and you. Uh, you you gave the example of the Hulk, and I think he comes to a resolution of that. I think there was in, in the in the MCU there are so many um, examples of broken uh, superheroes who are struggling. We, we see it with Thor. We see it with Quill, um, Star Lord. What's um, well we yeah. see it with? Uh, there are there are uh, you know I, I they told me I'm not allowed to um, to mention any DC uh, characters, but ba- if I was allowed to, I would mention Batman here. Bruce Wayne is is broken and struggles with that. And, but I find that to be very inspiring and relatable because we're all battling darkness and light in, inside. I mean, the fact that you're so inspired by you know, Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne just makes me think that you're being paid more than I am. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we, we know what it, I mean, that's another question we can talk about. What is the, what, what, um, 
superpower to people like Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne? Um, what do they have? What's their superpower? Well, the question is, if we're talking about that realm, then we're looking at, um, at home, I actually have a Marvel periodic table, which maybe I should have brought with me, but they, they, Tony Stark is, and also Hawkeye others come into the category of essentially like a, a human with extraordinary, extraordinary human characteristics, as in not beyond the realms of possibility, um, somehow, uh, in terms of their abilities. Um, an Iron Man suit maybe is currently beyond the realms of possibility, but... Um, but that's the thing. There's this hope there that that is what humanity can reach, and it's humanity. Every one of us could actually reach that level because we have that potential. That's what it means to be a human being. Maybe we could say that's what it means to be to have the Telemelo Kim to have that creativity. That using our intelligence and our resilience and our wherewithal, we could achieve what Tony Stark achieved, which I think is tremendously inspiring. Like that's even more inspiring than the superheroes who are born with a superpower or. Um, or through an accident like Spider-Man, you know, gain a superpower. You know, there's something inherently inspiring that any human being, and and to mention another great rabbi who I'm sure did not speak about superheroes, but Rav Soloveitchik's Adam Aleph and Adam Bert, like these, Tony Stark is Adam Aleph through the roof. I mean, he is super Adam Aleph, right? The creativity, taking all the gifts that God gave us as humans and taking them to, to running with them. What do you think the Nafkamina or the practical difference, whatever, is between, let's say, you have Tony Stark, who uses his intelligence, but he develops essentially a, a super tool with his intelligence, um, versus Hawkeye, who also represents kind of the peak of human achievement, but he kind of, as he is mentioned in several of the films, runs into battle with a bow and arrow, and it's locked down to, I guess, his literally his physical self and his physical skills he doesn't have that same heart yeah, yeah he doesn't have yeah. that same kind of super tool that tony stark has even though some of those arrows are pretty awesome they're very cool yeah right they, they do more than just yeah things. right but his, his act like the the thing he is yeah. the the thing he brings to the avengers is his you know ten thousand hours of, of practice with a bow and arrow right which is something any of us can do, which is, you know, that's a whole premise that, that Malcolm Gladwell is exploring, that anyone can become an expert right. in anything right. as long as they're willing to dedicate and, huge and amounts of time to it, which Hawkeye has done. I mean, I think another example would be, for example, War Machine, Rhodey, uh, Rhodey Rhodes, or Pepper Potts, who are using the same tool that, that Tony Stark is using. As in, he created the Iron Man suit. And he gives one to, to Rhodes. He gives one to Pepper Potts. And they are then both... You know, instrumental in uh, defeating Thanos. Um, they they don't have that super intelligence necessarily. You know, they don't have the super intelligence. They don't have the billions of dollars, but they're equal contributors. But then, could anyone else have wielded the Infinity Stones at the end of of uh, of Endgame? I think that's a, well. I think what's a really good question is what is it that that what what is it about Tony Stark that that allows him to wield the Infinity Stones? As in, is it is it simply is it simply that he has a technology that enables him to wield the stones, or is it actually a a, a, a will or within or a um, a courage that's completely apart from his technology that actually enables him to have that moment? And this is only Im implicit, implied. It's not 
uh, explicit in the movies, but it, it reminds me always uh, a movie that had a big impact on me growing up was Independence Day, Will Smith in Independence Day. Because Independence Day basically said, huma- there's no one else in the universe like humans. And we can, we can conquer anything we want. There's something unique about being a human. So if that's what, I don't know what the answer is to that, because it's a really good question. How come he could? We understand how Quill could, could hold the inf- an Infinity Stone because he was part God. But how, how could Tony Stark? Maybe there is just something about being a human. And I'm, uh, we're going to, let's say it's Elimelo Kim. Maybe we are also part God, um, that he can do that. And that was the message, I think, of Independence Day, is that, you know, you aliens, bring it on, because you'll never beat us when it comes to heart. And so just in case there's anyone that's, I mean, you may have already tuned out, but people who aren't quite as geeking out on, on these uh, movies and these superheroes, but your sports is more your thing. This, for me, is why... I'm, I'm, my, I think I'm as obsessed about sport as, as you two are about uh, these kind of movies, this genre, because I think sport is like that as well. That you can, you know, well, as painful as this is to say, your team, Ari Grossman, should not have just beaten the best team in England, but they did because they showed more heart. Anyone can take to the sports field. Just as a reference, we're talking about. No, don't mention the name. Tottenham Hotspur's recent victory against Manchester City uh, with a winning goal by Harry Kane in the dying moments of the game which uh, was haunting Daniel Rose until the following morning. And beyond, I'm afraid, even though my team won that weekend as well, and we're three points ahead of you in the league. Anyway. No, but I, and at I, the I, time I, of recording. <laughs> 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 I do know. I think that's also a very like, interesting point. You're sort of bringing that in the same way that Tony Stark or um, whoever else has sort of, uh, uh, and uh, Clint Barton have taken their sort of human abilities, whether they are at the, you know, in the top, 0.1% of the population in, in intelligence or in athleticism, whatever, um, but they're, they're able to contribute and they're able to fight alongside, you know, uh, a god like Thor or a, a, a super soldier like um, like Bucky or like Captain America um, because they're, they're, showing more, they're showing more heart. I think it was just to sort of try and also sit on that fence of being a bit like jockey and, and uh, into sports, but also being the big fat greasy nerd um that like f- for example people are are you know very proud of um the, the recent super bowl some englishmen talking about american football um that matthew stafford who is the quarterback of the la rams who spent uh was it 12 years or something played for a long time playing for the detroit lions who are universally accepted as awful um and was traded to the la rams um and he was a first round draft pick he was you know Best, the one, the best player coming out of, of college, uh, you know, twelve years ago, whatever it was, spent years playing with an awful team, went to probably a mediocre team, and they won the Super Bowl. Um, and then, you know, a couple of weeks before, or a week or so before, Tom Brady, um, who has just retired after twenty two years playing football, the oldest person, he was the oldest player in the league. He has every single record in the league now. Um, was picked. 199th overall but overcame his being average um to being the best at the goat um so i think you know there, there's there are certainly lessons to be learned from from those real life people um and i think even to an extent that's probably even more inspiring just going back to the original question of using secular sources be they books books films music whatever it's probably something more inspiring looking at someone like Tom Brady um, 
as and this is something I talked to my kids about. Well, I, I listened to an interview with him on another podcast, um, the Armchair Expert, where he was saying like the 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 mantra he had growing up from his father um, was that you don't need to be the best; you need to be your best, um, and that's the thing that sort of has, has uh, spurred him on. Can I say spurred? Is that triggering for you? Well, you, um, you mentioned the LA Rams, so the owner of the LA Rams owns Arsenal, but the LA Rams somehow oh, are magnificently successful. <laughs> Masha Aincane. <laughs> um, but the so that, that's what has sort of spurred him on through his career to become the best to have ever played the game. Um, is that idea? I think you can draw inspiration from the fictional characters. Um, and I think there's, there, there is fun to do. I think Arie's problem, and I'll let Arie speak to this day, Arie's problem is that they exist in two different worlds, that you don't want to sort of water down Tara with, with Marvel. And yet here we are. And yet here we are. Um, and you don't want to like project Tara onto Marvel and sort of make it something that it isn't necessarily. Is that, is that fair to say or is... Is your thinking something else? Yeah, I think so. I don't. I, I think sort of, but I am. Like I said, I'm. I'm coming around to the idea that maybe that. Um, <clears throat> maybe the diff. The, the distinction for me is that. Um, I, I think we've talked about before on the podcast about the importance of like Musa and and, and self improvement, and I think that it would possibly be wrong to say that like you know, there's an experience here or something I've seen here that I feel like I can take nothing from this. I think we do have um, have a certain responsibility to say, well, is this, can, does this lesson, can I learn something from this? Or uh, we, ultimately we don't gain by saying, yeah, that film has a really good message. I'm going to ignore it and not make myself better. And if I get the chap and I think that inspires me in some way, then maybe there's not something so wrong about that. So you know what you know what I think I think that it, it, if we're talking about the Torah values and Torah messages, that their their inherent values of what it means to live in this world in, in, as humans that you know God has given us these ideas through the Torah. I think that these genres are expressions of them and articulations of them, and and they help us to relate and to connect to them in real way. It sounds a little bit ridiculous because we're talking about a fantasy world. But when I watch superhero movies, I, the reason why they appeal even to me and to so many people is I think there's so much truth about what it means to be a human being in them. The battle between good and evil within us and the battle between good and evil in the world. And there's so much truth. I mean, all, so many, like Loki was, was one example, but there were other examples of, uh, oh, uh, what's Gamora's sister called? Nebula. 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 So she, you know, these are stories of, of Chuva and, and they show you a little bit of the complexity of what it means. No one is just good and just evil. Um, so that I feel like they're expressions of, um, of of these values and ideas that we go to the Torah to really understand. But that I think that that gives um, I, I think there's value in 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 connecting and understanding uh, these ideas and values th- through this expression of them. I, I, I once just uh, um, um, Mark Weinberg, Oliver Shalom, um, who was one of the founders of of, of, of the London School of Jewish. Studies and and uh, uh, Talmud of Rabbi Sachs and sadly he passed away. And I was once driving him to um, to uh, the hospital actually, and we were having a discussion. And he was also a massive, massive Spurs fan. Yet we still had a lot of respect for each other. Um, and we used to speak about basically Rabbi Sachs and football the whole time. Sometimes in the same conversation. And he once asked me why are we so obsessed by football? And that was my answer to him: is that football I think represents 
everything about what it is to be a human. You can see it on the football field. I really think you can. And I think it's the same about these these superhero movies as well. I mean, I think to a certain extent, like this this conversation and these sorts of conversations that happen around every Shabbos table and every car of, you know, two Jews traveling together or more, is that not what modern orthodoxy is? As when Rabbi Sachs was talking about, you know, drawing lessons from Shakespeare and drawing lessons from, I don't know, whoever, whichever philosopher, and, and when Rav Soloveitchik was, was also drawing inspiration from these places as well, I, that's not to say that the Rav would have gone to the cinema to watch Spider-Man. But that's what modern orthodoxy is, is finding these values in places. We know that Ralph Aron was a you know, PhD in English literature, and he of certainly course. did. You know, and that, so I, I know that we could get slaughtered for this, but this is a, a legitimate genre of, of just like English well, literature. Yeah, this, this is what I'm saying. I, you know, this so is, I agree, I'm agreeing yeah, with Yeah, like, this, is, this is a genre which is also, in its essence, is, is there to show off those values, to show off those struggles. And it, in... You know, we can people do debate all the time about you know the values that Shakespeare was putting into his plays, or or you know whichever writer was putting into their stories. Comic books and and certainly like superhero, the superhero genre, whether it's in writing or in pictures or, or on TV or in the cinema, it's exploring those those struggles as you've been talking about between good and evil, between like a person's internal struggles. It, it's there to give voice to those things, which is why it speaks so much to um particular pockets of society or particular like certainly particular generations because it's it's an outlet for those things or it's a a way to explore those things that people that people real people struggle with every day um and i don't think anyone is is really like no one's walking around trying to get bitten by particularly aggressive looking spiders to try and get some sort of superpower no one's messing around with I gamma think, radiation my eight-year-old might be but we're trying to, we're trying to rein it. I'd be, be careful with that one. <laughs> yeah, um, like, but you know, people are looking for for those messages. I, I, I think that something that I think Daniel, you, you'd be able to speak to much more eloquently than uh, myself and Arie, if I've ever spoken eloquently about anything, um, is like when we look to characters outside of ourselves for those inspiring messages. Like when basically when we're looking for for role models. Um, something that I think a lot about is the um, the value, if there is one, to stories of tzaddikim, to like the stories of Gadolim. That you know, you hear the story of Moshe Feinstein running down the street to to tip the the, the boy who delivered the paper one one Christmas. Like, isn't it wonderful? There's a very famous story of Rav I think it's Rav Shlomo Zanarbach, um, who you know, some student in the yeshiva uh, got married. Um, and Rav Shlomo Zalman said to him, you know, like, how, how's it, how's married life, essentially? And he goes, you know, it's great, but my wife just doesn't understand that, like, my job is to learn Tara, and I'm out all day learning Tara, and when I come home, she's asking me to take out the, she's asking me to take out the garbage, and how can she ask me? I'm involved in this holy work of learning Tara. How can she ask me to take out the Tara? Uh, sorry, take out the garbage. And, um, <laughs> and, you know, later that day, there was a, a knock at the door. The, the, the guy goes home, and there's a knock at the door, and Rav Shlomo Arbach is there. And he walks in, and he goes, where's the garbage can? I'll take out the garbage for you. And, like, it's a great story. It's, and whether or not it's true, it's a lovely story, and it shows the importance of, you know, Shalom Bayit and all these sorts of things. But I'm, I'm always sort of concerned about stories of Sadiq and Sarazah Gadalim because are they teaching us to 
emulate these values or are they teaching us to are they are are we looking at the rabbis we're looking at the the people in tanakh as superheroes that we could never achieve these things you know i'm never going to be able to turn into the hulk i'm never going to be able to wield mjolnir i'm never going to be able to uh you know fly around in an iron man suit so am i looking am i looking for inspiration or am i looking for escape um, so when, I'm, when we look at these stories of Tadikim, am I looking for inspiration or am I looking for escape? Am I able to say, like, well, I could never be like the Rav. I could never be like Rabbi Sachs. I could never be like uh, Ramosha Feinstein. So I'm just going to carry on about my... I'm just going to carry on being being a bit rubbish, really. And I know that you focus on role model, role model education. So is it, so it just happens my doctoral dissertation, doctoral research was in role modeling, the impact of, of, of the educator as a role model. So one of the things that, at least the, the, the literature that's out there, it, it, it explores a little bit um, whether, and this is a question we have been debating in like our youth movements when we grew up being Madrachim um, all the time, about what place there is for flawed role models in, in, in Jewish educational institutions. Um, can we have a Madrach in B'nai Kiva who doesn't keep Shabbat? Those kind of questions which we spend our childhood uh, debating. Um, so in, in, uh, the people have written a lot of research on, on the impact of flawed role models. If a role model is a, is a flawed role model, a failing role model, are they a negative role model? Are they going to have a negative influence on your children? Or actually are they more inspiring than a flawless role model, which can have a disincentivizing impact on you? Where you, exactly as you said, the kid said, you know, you, you, the child says, well, I'm never going to be Rav Moshe Feinstein. I'm never going to be a Moshe Rabbeinu. So it's that you know it, it, it's almost frustrating. It can have a negative impact, and this we find this in. in the, I think I mentioned it before. We referred to it before, but the the, the failings of so many of these superheroes can actually be an inspiration. Um, that they also even superheroes struggle with. You know, like Thor's meltdown and his breakdown. I think is and it's funny because he's a very funny character. I think is great. Tony Stark struggles with with his ego and, and struggles with himself a lot. There's so many internal struggles that we see in these. I think that should be. And, and you mentioned Tom Brady. I actually had no idea you were an NFL fan. We're also we big uh, big American football fans. Um, Tom Brady's an amazing example because you know he, he when you're drafted in the 200s, you you, you imagine that's it. You're never going to reach the heights. But he never. He just nothing held him back so whatever his college career didn't go great but he never stopped he just kept going and then he reached literally the heights of the game he's the greatest ever quarterback these are inspiring inspiring messages i think for us i think something interesting about thor i'm gonna move away from nfl because it, it's, it's not what i'm holding um uh, i think thor what I, was very interesting was after um after Endgame, there was I think there was a certain amount of backlash to the, how he was portrayed in the film because Thor's like meltdown in Endgame is very much to do with loss. In that he again lots of spoilers here, but as in he goes through a series of huge losses. Basically, his parents, his his brother who he loses and gets back and has a crazy relationship. Often uh, he loses his home and his planet uh, and he has this huge loss. Uh, somehow he kind of pushes his way through Infinity War, but then that's, you know, you should have gone for the head, tips him over the edge. And there was a lot of, I think, criticisms of Endgame of the way that, you know, are, are we supposed to be laughing at him now that he's gone through this massive loss? But I think there's something really amazing about putting and I think the benefit of 
um, why I really struggle to um, sort of articulate to people who say, why do you spend your life watching superhero films? Or why do you take your wife to see all these films? Or why do you make her watch them? Is to understand that the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and why I think it is worth discussing it more than DC, is that the idea of creating a universe over so many films is that you get this big picture of a character that you can start off with. If you go back and watch how Thor is at the beginning of the first Thor film, he is this completely flawless you know, long blonde hair, muscular, mm. I can do no wrong, I'm amazing, God. And then you see where he gets to by the end of Endgame and he's and he's gone through this huge arc in his character. Um, and obviously there's there's still more to go and it's, you know, exciting to say, see where they're going to go with it. But how someone can go, even essentially a God, you know, can, small G God, can, can, can fall, can struggle, can have challenges and see how... Uh, what looks like is going to find almost a, a, a new way forward for himself after tragedy and loss. Right. I think. So what's, sorry. I think what's what's interesting there as well is that in the first film, <clears throat> sorry, in the first film, um, like his his downfall is being banished from from Asgard and not being able to to lift Mjolnir anymore, his hammer right. anymore. And say. then when it comes to well, and he redeems himself and whatever. When it comes to um, Age of Ultron, and they're all sitting around trying to lift the hammer, and he thinks he sees uh, Captain America sort of almost pick it up. If you look in the background of that scene, you see him react, yeah. sort of in a shocked way of like, there's somebody else. And then, of course, um, in Endgame. Well, yeah, then it's so, I mean, fast forward even more to, to Endgame when. When uh, Steve Rogers does pick it up, and, he's, and he that. says, "I knew it," but I'm saying so in in Age of Ultron, when um, Heimdall, no, you'll uh, you'll be editing out these silences. Um, yeah, right? the, the silence is being, <laughs> the first thing being cut out. What's his name? Who Thor? No, that's in America. Which character? Paul Bettany. Oh, um, Vision comes in and does and just like picks up the hammer as if it's nothing. You see, sort of. Thor suddenly realizes that he isn't the only one, right. and then he he then becomes like you see you can see the struggle of a character in his interplay with other characters who have developed themselves elsewhere, not in the Thor films. Is it possible that not everyone understands what the significance of lifting the hammer is that we might need to? Explain? It could be as, essentially Thor has his hammer given to, gifted to him by his father that can only be be lifted by someone who is worthy. Um, because in Endgame, but then, well done if you've got this far in the podcast and, and you, you didn't know, know that. that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But in Endgame, one of my favourite moments of Endgame, and there are so many, <laughs> uh, is when he he summons the hammer and it comes and he realizes he's still worthy even after the fall. And yeah, right. also going back to what Alex said, how delighted he is when he sees Captain America exactly. to, to realize that and this now now we can now go to a whole thing. Let's like talk about Pasha Korach now basically. Right, right. Is there only one person that can be worthy or is can anyone be worthy? Is it exclusive to one person to wield the staff right. or to wield Mjolnir? But or he, is there oh, he's delighted that Captain America wields and, it. And also if you are the one who has the leadership, if you are the Mosha are you happy to relinquish some of that power? So oh, you saw about Karak talking about Yitro when right, Yitro comes right, to him and right. says, "Give away some of the responsibility. You don't need to be carrying the burden your, yeah. yourself." So he give, there's no argument. But I he love, just sets up. I this. love that message that you know um, Thor, who's this majestic, you know, king god, um, and there's something you know I, I think very powerful about that. And then he goes through this fall because he's, 
I guess, human or not human, but we are human and we can go to the... Yeah, he's still worthy. Like, you can still, you know, you, you, you can still lose control of your life or you can, you know, be in crisis, but you're still a worthy person, right? Character is different from what's happening in your life, I think. There's a, so he still gets to summon the hammer and that's part of his um, return. Right. Who do you think is the... Who do you think is the most... You talked about, if we're looking at humanity in terms of values, who do you think is the most human superhero? I don't mean, like, who's the most like a human. Who's the least powerful. I'm saying, who is... Uh, and, uh, I don't mean that. No, I don't know who's the least powerful. Saying, who, even though they have lots of powers, actually represents humanity the best. Well, I think Captain America is a big part of that. I think Captain America, despite his superpowers, he's everything that's good about America which basically means humanity, um, the courage and the heart and all that. Kind of you stuff. did that's just tell yeah, I, I just an heard, English I heard, person say that and I, two English people not even disagree. No, I think I, I can hear Daniel Rose's passport on fire. <laughs> <laughs> because, I, well, you know, just as Rabbi Sachs is a big, you know, American file, was a big American file, that, that America on some level is like this, this, ent- this project that is like the, or at least that's how they see themselves and, 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 when, and when they don't, um, match up to it it's everyone's super disappointed you know the best that humanity can offer and everything they achieve the land of the free and the you know the, the, um, more, the more perfect and, union and, and, Ca- right, and captain america represents all of those american values i think and a lot of it is about his courage um and his heart so he has the superpower and he has heart i think so i'd, I'd say probably captain america who's not my favorite superhero but why isn't he your favorite superhero American. <laughs> <laughs> is that why but you feel, but you feel obligated to say that now so that by the way i can I offer you a cup of tea afterwards <laughs> is captain america not the goat of the mcu i don't think so but this moment and i will share with you uh, something about our my private relationship with Ari grossman that i frustrate him a lot because i've not seen all the captain america movies yeah i still feel like i have a certain grasp on the mcu and he debates that and finds it very difficult that I'm not someone who's watched every single one of all 27. And, and uh, so perhaps I haven't spent enough time holding mm. in Captain America. I'm not sure I think it's Captain America. Goat, by the way, refers to greatest of all time. Alex used it before in case you're not sure. Sorry, I did use it before. I, 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 we're not talking about goat. This is that we're saying that for our past well, right, Let episode. me ask. I, I know you were going to answer, but I'm going to be obnoxious and jump in. I, I don't get Captain Marvel. I have seen Captain Marvel. Why? She seems to be the goat isn't she she's the most powerful i think she's the most powerful i don't think it's captain marvel either i don't think it's i why why is she the most powerful like what role does why she play being the most powerful superhero what what in the mcu what role does she play and also why did it take us so long to turn up well no game? so if i can offer some some armchair other universes were there other universes being threatened in their entirety at that moment, it seems so. If I can, yeah, if I can offer some some armchair Doctor analysis, Who, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. He or she always makes it in time. She has a special place, right? But the, Doctor the, Who, our universe, Doctor Who can place. can manipulate time and space, or or right. operates outside time and space. I'm not a Doctor Who fan, but I know that that's that's a thing. Okay. Um, it's just some, some armchair analysis of Captain Marvel is that she is concerned with more than just what's happening on this planet. Um, which is directly taken from the Rumbum in El Clotdale. If we are going to try and tie things together, the Rumbum talks at length about how we don't care what's happening uh, 
on other planets. We're not interested in other planets. He talked about how uh, I have a whole sure about whether we have to keep halacha in space. Um, uh, look out for that podcast, indeed. Um, no, going back, I don't. I'm not sure Captain uh, Captain America is the most human. I think he has a, a tremendous amount of courage, but his his being a better human is what enabled him to become Captain America. I think the 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 most human, and for my money at least, is going to be someone like I'm not sure. I haven't given it enough thought, but is going to be someone like Ant Man yeah, or Black Widow. Um, or one of those who try and do the right thing. I think Black Widow, who has a whole redemption arc um, through uh, her standalone movie, um, and sort of you know the whole Black Widow program and how she escaped from that. Um, well, it will be interesting to see what happens with Elena and how that plays out as well. Um, Yavin. Yavin. Um, but I, I don't. I'm not one of those people. He is not a Yavin. I'm not. not Yavin. Yavin. We'll, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> I won't be Yavin. Uh, <laughs> but the, it's. I think it has to be one of those. Ant Man's an interesting one because Ant Man isn't such a great human being before he becomes Ant Man, right? They duff could choose a character that's like struggling in life mm. and is not particularly moral, um, but he's his qualification is that he can break into somewhere, right? Right. 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 But then he becomes he becomes a hero. But he steps up to it, which I think is another message as well. It, 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 it's a message that I take as an educator as well, that your, your your students will rise to the bar you set them. So he suddenly finds the weight of calling and destiny, which is actually a very Purim message, right? You know, uh, uh, when Mordechai turns to Esther and says, this is it, this is your moment, this is why you're here. So Ant-Man kind of has a similar, and, 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 he, right, and he steps up to it. Um, and that's a message for all of us. I think a lot of them have that as well. But so, so my point was like, I think you need to look at one of the one of the heroes that isn't, isn't enhanced biologically or whatever it is. Having but, uh, said that, I want to tell you that I asked in preparation for this. I could, I did ask you how I should prepare and you didn't, you were, neither of you were helpful at all. So I prepared by asking my children what their, who their favorite superheroes were. Particularly, I have a 12 year old daughter who is, um, who's making us sit now and watch all of the movies. So that's why I'm, I'm up to speed a little bit. Just not in order. As a fact, just not in order. No. Um, and I asked her what, who her, uh, her favourite uh, superhero was. And she mentioned two. She mentioned um, Black Widow um, because she found it inspiring, a, a, the female role. And I'm, uh, for me, the most, the, the most exciting moment um, uh, of, of Endgame was, was when the women basically saved the universe. Because I, I, because I, as the father of daughters, I just felt that like that was such a powerful cinematic moment. Where um, when I was growing up, there was Wonder Woman and there was Supergirl, and neither of them were that cool. Um, and now the coolest and most powerful superheroes, at least on a par with the men, are women. And I, I think that's, I think we, our, our daughters are growing up in a different generation, which is what I'm thrilled about. And so that was interesting. And then she mentioned Spider Man because she said, I'm quoting her directly: Spider Man is a kid. So Spider-Man is a role model for kids because he's a kid who's overcoming his being a kid. He's totally in awe of Tony Stark and he has this, this strange kind of father-son relationship with Tony Stark, but he's like full of... Um, uh, um, angst. Yeah, angst and, and, and a lack of confidence and he overcomes all of that and, and that's very inspiring. Um, so I think even though Spider-Man is enhanced biologically, he's, he's, he's child, not childhood, but his youth 
I think is, is, is part of his humanity. And I think it's for kids watching. I think that's why Spider-Man's the most popular. Oh, yeah, you shared before your prediction. I think you should share it now. Prediction Perm 2022 most popular costume for families. I reckon is going to be a group uh, Spider-Verse effort. So if you do, if your family has decided to dress up for Perm as uh, the Spider-Verse, uh, various different Spider-Men and women, uh, feel free to uh, send your photos um, <laughs> to, to podcast <laughs> at coronpub.com and we'd love to see them. But that's what my money is on. And I we are recording this about uh, three weeks before Purim. So if I'm right, it is on the record now. Anyway, back to you, Dr. Rose, to say something sensible and intelligent. <laughs> no, I just, you know, for, uh, I think that as it's counterintuitive to talk about superheroes being role models, but I think we've shown so many examples of how they are and can be, and, and I think that's an important uh, part of this story that we're, we're exploring now. So I, I think that might be a good moment for us to, to bring everything together and, and, and wrap it up a little bit. Um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll throw this back to Ari and give him a chance to bring us to a close by saying you weren't convinced that this is a conversation that we could have or should have. Um, can superheroes, can the MCU be a source for uh, inspiration and to our values and ideas? How do you feel about it now, Aria? I think that I think that it's possible for two things to exist at the same time. I don't think the I don't think we have to look at uh, either, let's say, characters in Tanakh or you know superheroes and say we have to choose which one is going to where we're going to find inspiration from Mordechai and Esther are very heroic and we can look at them and learn their story and 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 you know learn messages from there um at, you know yeah the 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 everyone's favorite point to the Megillah this moment when Esther steps up always you know gives goosebumps i always get a little bit of a shiver in shul when they read it because it really is this uh the moment and you think it makes it should make every single one of us think like what is the our moment where we're like this is why i'm here to do this um for sure um does that mean that we can't look at um you know in in fiction fictional characters superheroes and looking at their moments when they stepped up um spider-man we talked about um, has those moments where he's actually like, actually, I have to step up now. Like now, and I think we see that with so many of the characters in MCU. They have that moment where they're like, right, like now is that moment where I have to overcome this challenge or I have to do that. And yeah, I I, I accept that. I think we can also look in there as well and be like, and and find, you know, messages and and inspiration from. So, you know, we've got uh, a bit of time until the next MCU release, but perhaps uh, when. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness comes out. Saying that title out loud makes me feel like I have nothing to learn from here. But who knows? Who knows what we will find uh, when we see that in the cinema. So uh, yeah, thank you for uh, to both of you really for taking part in this conversation. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how our thoughts progress. And uh, listen out for our Purim 2023 episode in 12 months time to see whether we've uh, gone any further in this. So uh, Purim Samer. A Purim.